My, you've done good. Thank you for that. Notice that the word hope in that passage occurs twice. Joy and peace flow out of hope. It gives us a message here about Christmas. Christmas and hope are Siamese twins. They're joined at the hip. Hope and Christmas go together. You can't have one without the other. You might find, make a good song out of that phrase. You can't find one without the other. And it's interesting to me today that businesses, and particularly television, avoid using the greeting Merry Christmas because they say it's too religious. It offends people. That's crazy. Offend people because there's hope in the world? That's insanity. But that's the way our world is. But the bottom line for us as Christians is the fact that Jesus is the reason for the season. That's an old one. Jesus is the reason for the season. And there's no way that the world can evade this truth. We've turned to our greetings today from television saying, Happy Holiday. Well, you know, there's some religious words in that. It's really Happy Holy Day. And we call it holiday, but it's Holy Day. Shame on them for using a religious word like holy. Shouldn't do that on television. Or they will use the word Santa Claus. That's a shame to use the holy word like Santa because Santa is the word saint. Well, that's just one of my pet peeves that I have to get off my chest every once in a while. Merry Christmas is what we like. We as Christians understand. We want it because Christmas and hope go together. You can try to stamp out the meaning of Christmas. Some people can, but it will never be stamped out because truth is indestructible. You can't destroy truth. Gravity is gravity wherever it is. It's still going to be that even if you deny it and try to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. It's going to be the same. Gravity is true. The Christmas truth is true and will always be true. You can't stamp it out. An illustration of this is that in 1989, many of you are here old enough to remember that, in 1989 in Romania, all the Iron Curtain countries were overthrown. The Berlin Wall came down, and in Romania, the, the, the violent and, and hard-nosed dictator Nicolae Ceausescu was, was overthrown. The people threw him out. For 40 years, Christmas was not allowed in Romania to be celebrated. The churches could not meet openly. They wanted to stamp out because they were atheists. And so as a result, there was no Christmas, no music, no worship in Romania of any degree except in secret. But the first Christmas, the first Christmas Eve after the Romanian dictator was overthrown, Christmas carols were played not in the churches, but in the public squares of Romania. You can't stamp out the truth of God. You can't 
put it on a shelf and say it's not existent. Always Christmas and hope go together, and that's what we celebrate here at this particular time. Now, Christmas provides hope for all who believe in Jesus, I must say. And it's interesting to me that hope and faith are sometimes confused. They're a little bit different. Our faith gives us hope. And the interesting thing about hope is that hope is what we desire, we believe will really happen to us. I hope this will come. I hope they don't stay too long. I hope. (laughs) And so hope is based on our own faith in Jesus Christ for our life. Hope is desire accompanied by expectation. We expect things to happen that are good. Now, optimism is like hope also, and it's good. I like people who are optimistic. I, I think that's a, that's a positive in life if people have an optimistic attitude. But optimism in and of itself is unsustainable. It's rather shallow. Hope has substance to it. Hope has, and here's the basis, here's the substance of hope. For us as Christians, hope from the Christian point of view is vastly different from mere optimism. For instance, truth of God is going to last until Jesus comes. There will always be truth. You can't eradicate truth. Some of you remember your history. In 17, not 19, in 1789, in the great French Revolution in the reign of terror in France, that internal upheaval that went on in those years, the government established a new rule. They did away with the, the seven-day week, six days will you work and the seventh-day rest. And they instituted a ten-day week. Nine days you will work and one day you will rest. Because they thought they could get more production from their people, it didn't take long for them to realize that people were exhausted in their work, that the nine days of work and one day off was too much, the animals that had to do the plowing, the animals had to do the caring of people in those days, were exhausted. And the production of the country went down. Of course it did. God said, six days you will labor and do your work, And on the seventh day you will rest. And so they went back to the truth of God that he established. That's what I mean when I say truth is indestructible. And God has given us ways of living our lives that are full and complete and hopeful. On the other hand, not only is the basis of hope that which is true, it will always be true. But there is the presence of the almighty creator God in this world. We've been singing about him. I teach a class here at Talawood on Sunday morning. And we're studying in the book of Genesis. And we're studying the creation. And the account says that in Genesis 2, 1, And thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. That's a very subtle statement of what God has done in creation. For instance... The NASA scientists have shown to us that our world and our sky is just one little galaxy. We thought, you know, the shepherds in their fields watched the stars, and they thought that was all there was to the world. But NASA has shown to us, and they, NASA estimates 
that there are millions of galaxies in this universe like ours, millions. And that they're so vast that it would take millions of light years for light to go across all of these galaxies. Now, all you scientific people know that the speed of light is what? 286,282 miles per second? That's rushing things a little bit. 286,282 miles per second. And if, if a second can, and light can speed along that fast, it would take millions of years, say scientists, for light to cover the entire universe that's been created. Our God is a great God, my people. He created all of that. A great God has done this. But the important thing about all this is that this great God is a personal God. For you see, not only did He do this vast array of the heavens and the earth, but He came down to the earth to walk in our steps, to feel our feelings, to understand our pain. And he came down, I call it God on the ground when Jesus came. He came down with a what rather than a wow. God didn't explode the heavens and come to earth (coughs) to conquer and to overcome sin. But he came as a little baby into a hostile Enemy territory. People are the enemies of God, the Bible says. And God came into this hostile, violent world as a little baby. Now that's a what? That's how he came. But what it does is, it tells us in the Christmas story that God who did this mighty creative act by speaking these universes into existence came down as a personal God to walk and to talk with you, to live with you, to be with you, to walk in your footsteps, to help you and me to find life and to have hope that life can be good. So hope is really the message of Christmas. And so it's, you see why I say it's crazy for the media to try to say, we don't say Christmas anymore, we say happy holiday. As a matter of fact, there's no use trying to rule out hope in the world because God has given it to us. Now, I want to say by that that the reason why Christmas is so important is if there was no Christmas, there would be no forgiveness of your sins and mine. Have you ever been in a situation where somebody wouldn't forgive you? Have you ever had an experience where you were betrayed (coughs) on the outside, not given opportunity? What a terrible, hopeless feeling that is. And it would be awful if there was no forgiveness from God. But because we have Christmas, you and I have forgiveness from the Heavenly Father. Your sins I will remember no more. Even in eternity, if you stood before the judgment seat of God and start saying, Lord, I want you to forgive me for everything I do, God would look at you and say, Collins, I don't remember your sins. 
Do you have some? They're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. So if we didn't have Christmas, we wouldn't have forgiveness for our sins. That gives me great hope that my guilt can be taken off the record, that my mistakes can be made up for, that I can have second chances. But the second thing that would come to us is, if we didn't have Christmas, if we didn't have Christmas, fear would permeate the world. Well, fear does permeate the world anyhow. There's great fear. Don't you live sort of a fearful life? Aren't you looking at the mess our government is in, stacking up trillions of dollars for our grandchildren to pay for? We're frightened about that, aren't we? We're scared about what's happening in our world. Wars and rumors of war continue. It's a world to be afraid of. It's a time when there are broken relationships, broken homes, abused children. It's a time when we wonder. I've never felt and seen it this way in all my years of living. But I want to tell you, the word from the Christmas cradle is, don't be afraid. Isn't it significant that those shepherds that we sing about out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night, when the announcement from heaven came that Jesus was born, the sky was brightened by the light of God, and down came the voice of the angel of God who said to the shepherds, and they were cringing on the ground and terrified. The Bible says they were terrified at what they were seeing. Don't be afraid. Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. So that, my dear people, I give you the word of encouragement. Don't be afraid of life. Oh, I don't mean to say that Christians never have troubles. They do. I don't say that disease and pain and heartache and broken relations don't come to us. Isaiah said it for us. When the waters overflow you, when you go through the the fire. I didn't say if you go through the fire. But when you do, the difference is that your great creator, the one that created this huge universe has come in a personal way to help us through the tough times of life. That's the difference. That's why I say Christmas brings hope to us so that we can live life without fear. Without fear because we know that someone is on the throne doing work for us, caring for us. So ladies, you need to be careful when you're shopping, but you shouldn't be afraid. You need to be aware of circumstances around you, but you need to trust the Lord for in all of the work of God, He knows you and understands you and is able to help you. You know, it's interesting to me that sometimes secular songs and music and literature really speak the truth of God. Many of you in this room would be very familiar with Anne Murray and her singing and the And the songs that she sung, she has a very lovely voice and sings beautifully. She has a song, He Needed Me, that if you sing it to and about Jesus Christ, it'll make a whole lot of sense to you. She's singing it to her sweetheart, I guess, to her lover. But let's sing this song in the words to the Savior. She, the words of this song was, 
I cried a tear. You wiped it dry. I was confused. You cleared my mind. I sold my soul. You bought it back for me. You held me up and gave me dignity. You gave me strength to stand alone again, to face the world out on my own again, to put me high on a pedestal, so high I can almost see eternity. You held my hand when it was cold. You took me home when I was lost. You gave me hope. There's the word. You gave me hope when I was at the end and turned my lives my lies into truth again. You even call me friend. What a great hope we have that God in Jesus Christ calls us not enemies, calls you and me friend. And so when we trust him, we have this wonderful covering, this wonderful protection, this wonderful relationship with the almighty God who created the universe but who's come down in a personal way to be with you and me. So the promises of the Word of God, about 3,000 of them, most of them are surrounding the phrase, I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's why we have hope. But we have it in this life, not just in this life only, but we have it in eternity, this hope. In Titus, we read a faith and a knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. My dear people, Christmas and hope go together. I want this Christmas for all of us to be so meaningful, to realize that life can be livable, that we can live without fear, that we can have a sense of comfort and strength and courage to face what indeed may come to us, because we know that the God of this universe and His Son, Jesus Christ, comes to live with us. A person can live a few weeks without food. You can live a few days without water. You can only live a few moments without air. But a person cannot live, really live one moment without hope. Life falls apart when there is no hope. But there is hope for us in Jesus Christ. So this verse of Scripture becomes our verse. I want you to say it for me at the end of this sermon. Say it out loud with me and let's read it as a part of the Christmas joy and peace. Let's read together. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that your lives will be radiant with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I hope all of you have this hope. And if there's a person in this room who does not have radiant hope, I point you to the Savior. I ask that the star of Bethlehem shine into your heart today and that you will openly confess him as your Savior and Lord. We're going to sing the song, Joy to the World, as our invitation to him. And in doing so, we want to sing of what happens to us when we come to Bethlehem and give our lives to our Savior. If you've never done that, 
You can do that today. You don't have to walk down an aisle to be saved, but you need to confess Him publicly. So maybe this would be a time, if you want to make that profession of faith, to walk these aisles and say, I confess my faith in Jesus Christ. He'll give you hope. Let's stand to sing our invitation. And if you want to come, Larry will be here to receive you. Let's sing all four verses of this song, Joy to the World.